When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Red Sox Precap Podcast, the podcast from the Monsters of Sox Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series about to start for the Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined today by our manager, site leader, extraordinaire, Dan Secatore. Dan, how are you doing, man? Cold, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I was at the game today. Um it took me like five days to recover from the coldness of being at opening day. And I recovered just in time to go today and get freezing cold again. Nice. How was it? Uh, besides cold? Yeah. Today's game was pretty um, pretty miserable, I would say. <laughs> I mean, the high point of the game from the fan engagement standpoint was obviously Reese McGuire's foul ball, which I don't know how it looked on TV, but was so obviously foul in the ballpark. Um, I was sitting, um, I was sitting in the front row right behind the Red Sox dugout um, because you can do that at Fenway these days, especially for day games. I I bought. 
about like a ten dollar ticket on stuff up and you know never even considered going to my actual seat um just just sat down you know I, I i didn't start in the first row that would be a little that'd be a little presumptuous i started in like the 10th row and then just after the third had my you know row of seats that were right down the dugout that no one had sat in and moved down there so i was right behind the first base dugout and even from even from that vantage point like it was such an obvious foul ball and everyone and everyone was kind of clapping and going nuts but we're also looking around at us being like that's that wasn't a home run right no no that definitely wasn't a home run so that's um that's not a good sign when the highlight of the game is a foul ball no no not really did you try any of the new food options i'm curious I did not. I uh, I went to timeout market ahead of t- ahead of the game. Um, shout out to Gogo Yacht, uh, which is it, it's a it's a it's a sushi taco little place in timeout market. If you're if, if anyone's familiar with Oya, which is a sushi restaurant in the Leather District, Oya might be the single best restaurant in the entire city. And so they just opened up this little outpost in timeout market where they just do. They have like four things in the menu. It's mostly just sushi tacos. Um, so I grabbed a couple of sushi tacos, took those over to the Trillium Beer Garden. Um, that's a that's a much better use of your money than than buying those giant gross nacho helmets that they have now. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get through this misery together, shall we? And uh, and recap this series here against the Pirates. Game one. Um, looks like for a moment, at least, it was going to be a continuation of how the uh, Baltimore series was going there. Uh, yeah, Carter sure Crawford is. versus Johan Oviedo ended up taking the loss, 7-6. Carter Crawford, though, 16 pitch, uh, 7 runs, all earned on 8 hits, 2 walks, 6 strikeouts. Bullpen followed um, pretty decent outing, 5 shutout innings, uh, 2 innings from <laughs> Kelly, and one each from uh, Blyer, Ort, and Brazier. Uh, first, uh, three first-inning homers, one from Devers, one from Yoshida, one from Cassis. Uh, Verdugo had a three-hit day. We had two hits from Duval, who kept that uh, madness going. Uh, however, 22 men left on base. Not great, especially when you lose by one. Uh, let's start with the starter, though. Thoughts on Carter Crawford's outing? Uh, it was pretty bad. Which, yeah. Which initially, I, I got to say, I, I um, his first inning where he gave up three runs was was really unlucky. It was like brutally unlucky. It was nothing but but dribblers and bleeders and some some substandard defense. Um, and after the first inning, I was sort of like, I was like, oh man, he's you know he's he's gonna settle down here. And he's still going to get stuck with like a four innings pitch, three earned run line. It's going to look like he was terrible. That's not fair. Um, and then he went back out there and and uh, nipped that in the bud by by then also being terrible. Um, I just don't know if he has big league command. I really don't. I mean, they yeah. people will tell you, you know, Saris will tell you that he's got the stuff. Um, that he's got a lot of movement on that cutter and that slider, but it's just moving right into the heart of the plate. Um, reminds me a little bit of like Matt Clement 
in in 2005 or 2006, whatever year that was, where everyone was just like, he's got such good stuff. But like every time he went out there, he just just got hammered. Um, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, look, he, is he capable of, of putting together good outings? Sure, he probably. I mean, we saw how good he was last June. He was the best pitcher on the team last year. Um, but, you know, is it going to be consistent from him? No. And I guess, you know, that's why he's the seventh starter on the depth chart. Um, but unfortunately, it just looks like with this rotation between Whitlock, who's young but coming off hip surgery and has been injured a lot, and Sale and Kluber, we're probably going to see a good amount of Crawford for the rest of the year. So hopefully we see a couple more of the good starts from the bad ones. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. No. I guess it's six innings pitch. That was a lot. That was four innings pitch. Uh, six strikeouts, though, in four innings. That's not so bad. Two walks. Yeah. It just the, – the stuff was just very, very hittable. Yeah. Not great. Um, 12 steals against the Red Sox so far for uh, just one steal for the Red Sox on one attempt. They've made one steal. One steal attempt. Um, by a lot, they lead the majors in stolen bases against. Um, why are they not running more, even with all these men left on base? Uh, and when that was something that Alex Cora said in spring that he wanted to see more of out of this team. Well, I don't know who Alex Cora expected to be running more for him. I mean, other than like... Duvall. Yeah, I mean, I can't. You know what? I mean, Duvall <laughs> probably is one of the faster guys in the lineup. He probably is. I mean, you know, we certainly have seen him play a capable center field. Um, they they just don't have the personnel in the one through nine. Look, I mean, just compare them to the Baltimore Orioles, right? Like Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins are two of the best base dealers in all of baseball in the same lineup. Um, the only guy in the entire – well, I shouldn't say the entire Red Sox organization because David Hamilton exists, um, and we probably will see him at some point this year. But the only guy who's really relevant to the 2023 Red Sox who's even close to their league is Jaron Duran. And Jaron Duran, for as fast as he is, hasn't yet proven to be a real effective big league base dealer yet. Um, so, I mean, they just don't have the personnel. So I don't – like, like who, was, who was Alex Cora talking about when he said he wants them to run more? Devers? 38-year-old Justin Turner. <laughs> I mean, you know, Yoshida doesn't have speed. I mean, Kike is, you know, Kike is more of the quick than fast variety, and he and he, he's on the other side of 30. Um, so, no, I, I'm not surprised that they're not stealing more bases, um, especially when you have, you know, a lineup like theirs that is looking like it's probably going to be pretty deep. And you don't want to run into outs on the base path when you have guys down the lineup, down the order, like like Adam Duvall, who can who can you know put on a power display and bring those guys in. I'm not really surprised that, that the Sox haven't sold more bases. Um, it is disappointing that they seem so ill prepared to defend against the stolen base this year, and that I put all on the pitching staff. Really, like, I don't think. Yeah, um, this isn't reasonable Meyer's fault. This is there. I mean, they, you know, there, there was obviously a lot said about Brazier in opening day. You know, he was just starting his, you know, his, delivering the ball with one second left on the pitch clock every single time. That's the, you know, the, if you're going to do that every time, it's going to be pretty easy. They they need to mix it up. They need to incorporate some slide steps. Uh, they, you know, they got to do something here because this is. 
not every team is Baltimore Orioles, so they're not all going to be able to do that. But this is going to be something that the next month, every team is going to look at the Red Sox and say, okay, how can we beat them on the base path to this series? Yep, for sure. Moving on to game two, Nick Pavetta versus Ronzi Contreras. Red Sox again take the loss, 4-1. Pavetta, five innings pitched, three hits, three runs, only one earned, three walks, six strikeouts. Uh, Winkowski followed for three innings, allowing a run, and then Brazier finished it off. Only four hits on the Red Sox, two of which came from Reese McGuire. Thoughts on Nick Pavetta's first outing of the year? I have zero thoughts on Nick Pavetta's first outing of the year. That was extremely Pavetta-ish. Yeah. Um, that's sure exactly was. what we're going to get from him. I think, like, I, I, the pitcher we got to talk about from this game is Josh Minkowski, I think. Yeah. Um, and talk about, like, what's his role going to be this year? Um there's going to be if there if there are more pitching injury, injuries or if you know if the pitching injury, injuries don't you know if Paxton gets hurt tomorrow which he probably will um, and you know we're we're still in a position where we need a seventh starter there's going to be a lot of people talking about should should Witkowski replace Crawford in the rotation um, and it's an interesting decision because right now I love having a guy in the bullpen who you can come in and say, well, this guy can give us three good innings, um, which is basically what he's been doing so far. So I don't know. I'm interesting to see what, uh, what they do with Funkowski going forward. Yeah. So we can jump right ahead to that question. Cause there, there is a, a larger question around that too. And uh, just the overall bullpen usage so far, we have seen a lot of Winkowski. We've seen a lot of Ort, we've seen a lot of Kelly so far. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on Winkowski's usage already. One thing I'm a little terrified about though, is X core seems to latch onto a guy and then use the shit out of him, and so he's yeah. dead come the end of August. I'm a little worried that might end up being Winkowski this year. Yeah, there could be some of that. I think there, the there also could be with respect to the early going here, and and particularly with respect to Kelly and Court. Um, you know, they know that with with Whitlock and Bayo and hopefully Paxson coming back, like somebody's going to have to go here. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and so I think with, with, with Kelly and Ort for sure, and maybe a little, a little less about Witkowski, I think Cora might be giving these guys a little extra run than he otherwise would to help figure out how, you know, how they're going to make that decision between who's staying and who's going. And maybe, you know, look, in all likelihood, probably both of them are going um, sooner rather than later, but that could be what's happening here a little bit. Um and then the other part is just uh, with the way Cora manages the bullpen. When you're in games like like they have been, particularly against the Orioles series, where the starter gets knocked around a lot, like he doesn't he doesn't go to one of his top three or four guys if the Sox are down by you know three runs or more. Um, you saw that on opening day when. You know, Kluber got gets knocked out and you knocked down the fourth or the fifth, whatever it was. Um, and then the next the next three pitchers that entered the game were legitimately the worst three pitchers on the roster. Um, and that can be frustrating. And in fact, in that particular game, it was frustrating because they did come back and 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 nearly won it. Um, and you could you can argue that if it was Brazier in the game in, in that six, then if instead of Brazier in the six, it was Schreiber or Winkowski, then, then, you know, maybe they wouldn't have taken themselves 
such a big hole, but that's the way Alex Gore manages the bullpen. And that's the way kind of every modern manager manages the bullpen. If you're in a hole, you don't want to use your good guys. And the Red Sox have started this season in the Orioles series in three straight holes. Um, so it's not surprising that the back end of the bullpen has gotten a little bit more run than, than Kenley Jansen, who has barely been seen on earth. Yep. True. One of those uh, four lonely hits did come from Verdugo in the leadoff spot, who has hit leadoff in four out of the five games he's played. Um, so he's been pretty yeah. kind of consistent in that spot. How do we feel about Verdugo in that spot uh, you know, that consistently? Did you put this in the agenda just because I'm, I'm your co-host tonight? Was this, was this specifically to, to needle me about my about our differing Verdugo predictions? No, it wasn't. But um, – you know, any chance I, I can get to bump that in there, then I probably will. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> hey, hey he's, he's done the job. He, he's certainly done the job. He worked a walk today. Um, he's spraying the ball all over the field. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't see any reason. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't hit leadoff against righties the rest of the season. There, there are no obvious. I, I don't think he, he's not going to be as good as he is right now the rest of the season. Um but there's nobody else I, I would rather have in there. I don't want I don't I don't want Kike anywhere near the top of the lineup, either against righties or lefties. Um, I wouldn't mind Casas getting run at leadoff at some point this year, depending on how he's going. But uh, you know he's he's a rookie. He, he hasn't got off to the to the greatest start yet. So I, I think there's a lot of value in keeping him down towards the middle of the lineup, middle of the end of the lineup. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, as, as long as Verdugo's doing it, keep him in there. And then frankly, even when he stops doing this, maybe still keep him in there because I'm not sure who else it would be. Yeah. Game three earlier today, game you were at, getting those fresh eyes on it. Corey Kluber versus Keller, loss 4 1. Red Sox get swept. Corey Kluber, five innings, three hits, one run. That run was urged, one walk, two strikeouts. Yeah, taken out after sixty-seven pitches. Did look much better this time around. Um, Triber followed, giving up a run in an inning, and then Ort gave up two runs in an inning, and Blyer and Kelly closed it out. Uh, two hits from Arroyo, and that was it. Thoughts on Kluber's second start here? Yeah, I, I actually, I he was obviously better than he than on opening day. I didn't think he was significantly better. I, I'm still a little worried about Corey Kluber. Um, There's a lot of traffic on the bases in the early innings. Uh, he settled down in his last two, um, but you know he he walked another guy in the first inning, which is very un Kluber like. Um, and they were hitting the ball hard. They weren't they weren't all landing, but they were working Verdugo a lot out in right field. You know, they were they were hitting some some hard liners that were just sort of landing the Red Sox gloves. Um so I think I can see why Cora was so eager to lift him after five, even though he's at sixty seven, because it didn't it, the the line was great, but I don't think the before he only struck out two guys. Um right. So like he, it wasn't a dominant performance. So I don't know. We'll we'll see on Kluber. Um I don't have terribly high hopes for him. Um, I think you know a start like today. If, if he can, if he can keep doing starts like today, then great. He's he's doing his job. He's earning his money. But I don't know. I'm still kind of in the wait and see camp with him. Do you think they should have let him go with the low pitch count, or do you think they pulled him at the right time? <laughs> I mean, like I said, I don't. I 
I don't think he really was pitching all that well. But at the same time, yeah, 67 pitches. The bullpen's worked a lot the first week of the season. You have a day game tomorrow. Yeah, I, I definitely would have put him out there for at least another inning. And I don't really understand. I saw Alex Cora's quote after the game. Um, you know, they, they said, why'd you take him out? And they said, well, that's, uh, you know, he, he gave us five innings of uh, one-run ball. That he, he did his job. That's all we could ask for. Um, and I and I sort of see, like, sure, at the beginning of the game, if you're going to say, hey, would you be happy if, if Corey Kluber gives you five innings and one run ball? Of course you'd say yes. Um, but I don't know why that means that his job is only five innings of one run yeah, ball. Yeah, why is that the, <laughs> like, hard ceiling? Yeah, well, I, I wonder if – I mean, Brian Reynolds was due up uh, in, in the sixth. And so maybe they were worried about a little third time through the order stuff. Why? Well, it's not like he had done much this series. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair point. Uh, we hadn't done anything off Kluber yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe they were just worried about Reynolds coming up and third time through the order. And just, and like I said, I think if they were, you know, if if they were looking at him and seeing the ball getting hit hard the way it kind of was, maybe they thought they they'd get him out on time. And they did. And and look, they went to their one of their better bullpen arms too, right? Like Schreiber did not pitch well, but that's that's what I wanted to see on opening day. Like I I I thought I thought that should have been Schreiber's spot relieving Kluber because, like I said, you might as well hold the lead or not hold the deficit as it was. Um, to something manageable, and that's what Cora did today. So I guess I have a hard time complaining about Cora doing today what I wanted him to do on opening day. Um, but yeah, obviously a, another inning or two would have been nice. You might as well, you might as well at least leave him out there until he puts somebody on base. On the offense, though, so after scoring about a gazillion runs the first three games plus an inning, uh, the bats went pretty silent after that. Uh, what the hell happened? Is this just a case of the arms catching up to the bats through spring training? Do they get monstered? Is it colds? What happened? Well, I mean, they weren't going to keep scoring nine runs a game. So that's the first thing that happened. <laughs> they regressed to the mean. Um, and then admittedly, you know, this the lineup they put out there today didn't look quite as fierce as some of their other lineups. I mean, the, the bottom four, I think, was it was Arroyo, Tapia, Chang, and Wong. Um, you know, if you're an opposing pitcher, you're looking at those four names and you're pretty excited to get to the bottom of the order. Um, I like all four of those guys for different reasons, um, but none of them has, has, has been able to, to, to put together consistent success at the plate at the big league level yet, uh, unless you want to call, you know, Tapia did – at 300 in Coors Field one season a couple of years ago. Um, and he did put together a couple of nice at-bats before he was lifted. Um, but, you know, that's that's four four nights of your lineup right there of of, of pretty, you know, not, not intimidating hitters. Um, uh, so, three of the five hits from the game today did come from those bottom four. However, <laughs> so it was a Royal so good. Two. Who got the other one? Uh, Tapia. But also, so right. did five of the eight strikeouts. So yeah, yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, um, we have, you know, we'll see. Yoshida, I think, is still clearly adjusting. Um, I have a lot of faith in him. That home run he hit the other night, you know, ninety-six mile an hour fastball off the plate, and he blasted over the monster. 
I mean, that's great to see, but we're also seeing like a ton of, of, of rolled over ground ball to the right side from him early on. Casas doesn't have it going yet. Um, you know, it's Devers is doing his thing and that's good, but it's, um, you know, look, this, they're going to be like this. It's not, they're not a juggernaut on either side of the ball. So they're going to have plenty of series where the bats just go quiet. And that's what happened here. Speaking of, uh, she has Homer that reminds me, what do we think of the dumbbells? Love the dumbbells. Love the dumbbells. Um, yeah, there's no universe where I would ever not like Rastaki Yoshida being handed inflatable dumbbells after hitting a home run. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I didn't see them on sale at the ballpark yet. I don't know. Uh, John Henry's asleep at the wheel there. Let's go, John. Come no on. Kidding. Missing, missing a revenue stream here. I'm All sure right. Next home stand. Series MVP. Who, who are you going to give it to? All right. There's an obvious answer. And I'm not going to give it to the obvious answer. Um, I'm going to give I'm going to give it to O'Neill Cruz, based purely on the fact that, as I said, I uh, I was sitting sort of right behind first base today, and so I saw him on first base a couple of times. I have like never seen a physical specimen like him on a baseball field in my life. It is amazing how much he just towers over everybody. And how strong he is. And like he steps on the field and you just can't take your eyes off him. I don't even know what his stats were for the series, but like that's what I'm remembering for the rest of the I'm just remembering being in awe of seeing this guy on a baseball field playing shortstop who has no business playing shortstop. Um, like if, if he can figure out his approach at the plate, like this guy is, could be an absolute monster. So I'm going with O'Neill Cruz for that reason alone. Yeah, so I don't remember who it was, so I apologize for not being able to give credit. But somebody tweeted out today that he looks like a little leaguer who keeps outgrowing the, his pants <laughs> he too does. quickly. He made Casas look small. <laughs> yeah, like he legitimately he made Tristan Casas look like a like a chubby little little leaguer. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, and it's, I mean, he's just tall. He's ripped. He flies. It's it's incredible seeing him in person. I uh, I went the obvious obvious route and I went with. Reynolds for yeah, all of that the, is the correct choice. Gazillion home runs that he hit. That is the correct choice. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back and preview the series against the Tigers. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, the up to the minute standings here in the uh, AL East after uh, I accidentally closed the tab. Uh, the Rays in first place, 6-0. and Yankees two games back at 4-2. and Orioles 3-3, three and three games back. Blue Jays 2-3, and three, three and a half games back. And the Red Sox in fifth place at 2-4. and four. Now go play Detroit, who are also at 2-4, and four, fourth place in the Central. Pitching matchups for this three-game series. We got Sale versus Turnbull, Hauk versus Joey Wentz, Carter Crawford against Boyd. Uh, Troy's got a bit of a interesting roster. Uh, looked like it might be good there for a bit, and then it and then it almost was, and then not so much. Uh, what do we think of those pitching matchups there? I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow a lot. Um, yeah. Or I guess I, I don't know if looking forward is the term I should use. Um, but I'm really interested to see what Chris Sale does. Uh, this Detroit lineup does not scare me at all. No. Um, and Sale, you know, uh, this the stuff was there against the Orioles. Um, he was hitting 97. He was planting sliders at, at hitters' feet. Um, the stuff was there. I just, you know, he didn't have command of it yet. And that's to be expected when he has pitched in three years, A, and was back on the Fenway mound for the first time in the in an opening series. Um, he was probably a little amped up. So I think, um, you know, put him, put him in an opposing ballpark against a weak lineup and, you know, with him, angry and, and open to prove something but and then you know i think let's like we're, we're still not it's still going to be a month before we really know who chris sale is as a pitcher this year it's going to be at least a month um you know like how we we know we're not getting 2018 chris sale but how close to that are we getting i think we'll know the answer to that sometime in may um so let's see. Let's get another data point tomorrow. Hopefully he pitches much better. And if he does, I will I'll feel much better about this team. Yeah. Speaking of that scary Tigers lineup, we got uh, Nick Patone leading off, Riley Green, Javier Baez, Kerry Carpenter, Spencer Torkelson, fifth, Austin Meadows, Matt Veerling, Zach McKinstry, and Eric Haas, ninth. Um, not really a whole lot there. Riley Green yeah. is very good. He's off to a nice start. That's pretty much it. Feels like this should be the uh, the air quotes get right series for the Red Sox. They yeah. should have themselves a nice little time here. Uh, what is your series prediction? I'll go with, all right, so we're looking at Stale, Halk, and Crawford. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to say the Red Sox sweep this. <laughs> let's Let's... I, I, I don't know. I just I have a feeling that I think this season is going to be really interesting. And I think there's going to be ups and downs, streaks both ways. I, I don't I don't see them just floating along 
a couple games under 500 for the next couple of months. Um, so yeah, let's, I'm going to say they, they get a change of scenery. They're in Detroit right now, staying somewhere in a nice fancy hotel, ordering room service, getting rested up for the series. I, I think we're going to get a big series from the Sox predicting this week. Who's your MVP? I will say um, I'll I'll go with Verdugo. I think he stays hot, and I think this is a good ballpark for his type of hitter profile, sort of the deeper power alleys where he can keep spraying. I think he notches a couple more doubles in this series. Uh, yeah, let's go with Verdugo. I almost went with Verdugo. I went with Chris Sale, though, because for pretty mm-hmm. much everything you just outlined when you were talking about his matchup, he – a little grumpy on the road. I think he's going to have himself a nice little start there. Yeah, grumpy sale. Maybe that's the. Pro- there was all this, all the reports about how happy he was this spring training. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he needs yeah. to get back to grumpy, toxic masculinity, cutting up jerseys in the clubhouse, Chris Sale. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's what we get. And I went yeah, two one with the Red Sox. Back to the AL Central. We'll do it. I'm sure I, I, we should look this up. I'm sure he's got great numbers in, in that in that ballpark. Yeah, I would think so. I went two one for the Red Sox just because baseball is weird. But I I also did want to go with a sweep too. But I'm I was hoping by not picking a sweep that they would sweep. Come on, you don't yeah. have that type of power. I know, but I'd like to think that I do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We have a bunch of great pods here on the Monsters of Socks podcast network. We have the Monsters of Socks podcast with Dan and Brian. We have the Red Seat pod on Lansdowne. We got this one that uh, you were just listening to. So all right here in this feed, keep your ears pinned or whatever you do with them, headphones plugged in and whatnot. Uh, you can find uh, a whole bunch of stuff at Over the Monster. Check out that website. A bunch of awesome articles. Do you have anything you want to plug right now, Dan? Uh, if you're listening to this, I guess it's Thursday. We just put up a piece about, uh, we voted on our favorite players to watch on the Red Sox. We ranked them all one through 26 on the active roster. Um, spoiler alert, number 26. You want to take a guess at who it was, Keaton? Ryan Brader. There you go. Completely unanimous. Um, but that's a good piece for the exciting players. Uh, Jake's got something on the on the Yoshida home run ball, which we did not get into today. But I think Brian and I will probably cover that. Uh, Brian and I will probably cover that in Monsters of Socks this week because Brian, um, sneak peek here, was just at a Yankee game last night and he completely biffed a Giancarlo Stanton foul ball. So a lot of a lot of a lot of balls in the stands talk from the Monsters of Socks pod this week. <laughs> Classic. Yep. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. You can find Dan. Uh, I think you're at Dan Secator, right? That's correct. Perfect. And you can find uh, the site at Over the Monster. All right. That'll do it. Thanks for listening.